I, I just think there's something really powerful about showing up, hey, about just consistently rocking up. And, and I think sometimes we can take for granted what church is, but what church is, is an opportunity every week for Jesus to transform people's lives. So if you're in need of a life transformation this evening, you're in the right spot. Maybe you don't realize you are. Get ready because God can do big things when you let Him to. The, the only qualification for God to do something in your life is that you're open and ready and you want it. So does anyone want it? see God move in their life? Come on, I think we should all desire that. And I'm really excited to speak about something kind of almost following on a little bit from what I spoke about last week with breaking the algorithm and, and, and reset, retraining the algorithm we have in our life. And I've called the message tonight, Triggered. Turn the person beside you and say, Triggered. Triggered. I wonder if you've ever been triggered by something. Show of hands, who's been triggered by something? Who has something that just, some things that trigger them? Uh, we could go around the room. I'm sure there'd be a few. One of my more obscure triggers is uh, when, when people like, instead of just sending one long message, they send you like 10 sentence long messages. Does anyone know someone who does that? Who does that? Yeah, mom's like, yeah, that's me. It's like, hey, send. How are you? Send. Let's send. Do something. Send. For. Send. Dinner. Tonight. Send. And it's like, you know, your phone is just in your pocket, like, and you're like, oh my goodness, like, someone must be dying. And you pull your phone out and it's like, oh no, it's just just one person sending me a paragraph, one word at a time in text. For me, and I know this is a very vulnerable thing to say amongst people, certain people here this evening. I'm just expecting that all week my phone is going to be, but... It's good. I'm working on it, all right? It's, 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 um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to grow. It's my growth area, okay? It's, uh, I know sharing this tonight is like when you pray for patience. It's a dangerous prayer because you're about to get an opportunity to be, to be patient. So I'm going to speak about being triggered this evening, and I expect this week I'm going to get tested by all you lovely people. I'm excited. Uh, but just wait till after the service because my phone starts going off in my pocket. I will be distracted. So let's just, let's just save it a moment. Um, but triggered often has this like a negative connotation, right? When, when someone's triggered by something, it's essentially a, a, a phrase we've put to when our emotions and our feelings take control and we are no longer at the wheel, we are seeing red or whatever it is, and, and I'm now a passenger on this train of emotions. It's got this kind of negative connotation to it. And I think emotions are are so important, hey. And I think it's really important that we experience and we talk about emotions. I think for a long, long time, we've been taught that we should suppress our emotions, that we can't feel certain ways, that, you know, we should just make like it's all good on the outside. And I think we've been told that. I think culture's kind of told that for a long time. And culture's changing a little bit now where it's like it's, it's finally accepted to speak about your feelings, which isn't that a good thing? We're moving in the right direction. It's good. But at the same time, I think that culture sometimes enforces this idea that kind of how you feel is who you are. Often it really ties identity to feeling. It, it, so you get diagnosed with some kind of something and it becomes a part of who you are. You know, kind of in a funny sense, we've got like the whole sad boy, sad girl culture, right? Where it's just like listening to My Chemical Romance on repeat or, or whatever it is, those sad emo bands from back in the day. Uh, and um, or what it, whatever that is, you know, that, the pictures of almost like people like wearing their emotions really on their sleeve, like posting pictures of them crying so that people are going to comment and be like, you poor thing. Like, it's kind of become a little bit of like, that's just who you are. 
uh, your emotions, how you feel is actually who you are. It's kind of this, this, this thing that it's pushing. But I think it's really important that we actually learn and realize that we don't actually have to be a victim to how we feel, that we can actually speak to our emotions. We can actually have our emotions almost be a trigger to a faith response. So I, I want to talk about this evening. What happens if we can actually learn to be triggered to faith? Rather than being triggered to negativity, let's be triggered to faith. And I think we see this really in Psalm 42, 9 to 11. This is David. And um, man, he's triggered. Like, get ready. This is, I think this is great that this kind of stuff is in the Bible because this is the kind of stuff you'd usually feel bad for saying. But David said it, all right? So for, don't feel bad. It says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And man, he turns it up here. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Man, I don't know if you've ever felt like that. My bones suffer mortal agony, mortal agony in my bones. Uh, where is your God? Man, this is David's triggered, right? That's all we can say. He's a bit triggered here. Like, you know, when you get triggered, you start to say things that don't really make sense and things start to get turned up to an 11 and it's like, the whole world is against me. And it's like, it's not. It's just, it's just Mac has forgot to put your, your nugget sauce in, all right? It's, it's okay. The whole world isn't against you, but we can get triggered and it's like our emotions and it's like David is, he's out of control his emotions is just starting to write his narrative, to write his story for him. I think it's really important what happens in the next verse. Very next verse, after talking about bone suffering in mortal agony, he says in verse 11, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour, and my God. Man, what an incredible response is that. Hey, I love this. And David talks to himself. He talks to his own soul. And he says, hey, hey, hang on. I've been triggered. And I don't want to feel like this. And, and I don't want to let my emotions control. Actually, why are you so downcast, soul? Put your hope in the Lord. Remember that I will praise you yet. I love that. He's like, the victory is coming. I'm not going to let my emotions take me on a journey. I'm going to speak to my feelings. I'm going to speak to myself and tell myself how to feel. And I think that's so counter to what culture is telling us. Culture is telling us you, you feel a certain way. You can't change your feelings. That's okay. And, and, and to some extent, yes, it's okay to feel negative emotions and negative feelings. We all do. But what sets us apart is the way that we respond when we start to feel those things. Are we going to go on the roller coaster that it wants to take us on? Or are we going to be triggered to faith? Are we going to be triggered to say, why my soul are you like this? Put your eyes back on Jesus. What if my feelings were a trigger to a faith response? And instead of being controlled by my feelings, they actually pointed me back to faith. Wouldn't that be a powerful life to live? If when these negative things happen and these negative feelings come, instead of going on the downward spiral, what if I could actually have a trigger that pointed me back to Jesus? Who agrees that would be a good life to live? Who wants to live that kind of life? I'm assuming we don't want to live as victims to our feelings, right? So I want to talk about how can 
we do it. How can we have a faith-filled life where our triggers point us to Jesus? I think the first thing we see there with David is he had to recognize the negative emotions, right? Who knows? It can kind of be hard when emotions take over. It can almost be hard to actually see where you're headed. And I think it's why, why it's powerful having people around you that are actually kind of willing enough to say to you, hey, is everything okay? Because sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you don't even realize that you're spiraling out of control. You don't even realize that you've been triggered in a negative sense and that your feelings are taking over. But the good thing is that God actually wants to help us to recognize when our feelings are starting to have more say than they should. In Psalm 139, 23 to 24, it says, Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting life. I think that's such a beautiful thought that that God's actually not scared of your negative emotions. God actually wants to find your negative emotions and help you to deal with them in a constructive way. I love that, that God doesn't come in and say, yep, you shouldn't be feeling fear. Yep, you shouldn't be feeling anxious. You're, you must be because you're bad. God actually says, no, no, no. Would you let me get a part of that and lead you to the way of life, to lead you to the kind of life that you want to live? God wants to come in and say, hey, hey, let me help you identify when you're feeling things that aren't helping you and aren't helping your future and let me point you back to the life that you want to live. Isn't that awesome about God? He doesn't stand off and judge, but he actually engages our brokenness and our negative feelings. He's not afraid of them. He wants to help you identify them. And I think it's so important that we have to, we have to recognize when feelings are taking over. Um, I'm, I don't feel like I'm an overly angry person. Hopefully people who know me would agree with that. I don't think I'm an angry person. Um, but one thing that, that I've had to deal with in the past is just a little bit of road rage. You know, just a slight amount of road rage. I, uh, I, I think when I, it, it kind of really happened when I was living in Taiwan. Uh, I've said before, the road rules were just kind of road suggestions. You know, it's like red, yeah, maybe you should stop. But if you don't want to, yeah, cool, that's all right. And, uh, and I remember it just started to build up on me. And I think what, uh, what encouraged it was no one else seemed to be angry at the injustice that was happening. And I remember one time sitting on, on my little scooter in a row of about 10 scooters and the light went green, we started and a car just flew through the intersection. And I was like, whoa, like we nearly died. And so I'm like straight on my horn, hey, which is a cute little scooter horn. It's like, Meh! but I'm like giving it hard. Like I want this guy to know this. And then I realized, hang on, I'm the only one on my horn. Surely, like I'm looking at the people beside me, like imploring them, come on, like let's, let's make this guy know what he did was wrong. And uh, it kind of started to build up and build up. And, and I started to realize that, you know, I had all these feelings of I've been wronged or then I had, you know, my daughter and it went to a new level because I'm getting all these protective feelings of you nearly killed my family. And just this, it's like this inner anger just started burning whenever I would drive the car. And I remember having to deal with that. I remember Talitha kind of saying, you are so angry when you drive. And I was like, you know, defensive, like, no, I'm not. And it's like, yeah, you are. Uh, it's like that thing. Remember at high school when you'd say to someone, why are you so angry? And someone who wasn't angry would become angry really quickly. Um, and I remember having to deal with that because I realized, hang on, this is not helpful 
for the kind of life that I want to live. These, these feelings might be real, but I actually have to learn to deal with them in a more constructive way than just letting them take control of where I'm headed. I had to recognize that they weren't helping. And, and, and God wants to help, like I said. I think one of the biggest keys, hey, and we talk about this, we talk about this a lot because it's so, so key, is getting into your Bible, getting into Scripture, reading it and saying, God, would you speak to me? God, what would you say to me? As I'm reading my, as I'm reading my Bible, as I'm reading the Scripture, God, what would you say to me about my life? And, and God, would you highlight maybe some areas in me that aren't being helpful, that aren't leading into that everlasting life that I want to live? And, and I think God comes in and then He starts to help us identify, hey, see that disappointment? You don't need to feel that. I want to fill you with hope. You know, he comes in and he says, hey, see that, that negative feeling? I actually want to give you joy. See that, see that worry? That, that's, that's not meant to be there for so long. We're meant to have peace. And, and God comes in and he helps us to recognize when we have feelings that aren't actually lining up with what he wants. There's nothing wrong with feeling those things. It's normal to have those kind of feelings, but it's so important we learn to recognize and respond in a productive way. So when I recognize those feelings, then I can speak to myself like David and I can tell myself how to respond. With God, I don't have to be a victim to them anymore. I can respond in faith. And that's the second thought. We've got to recognize it and we've got to respond. When we recognize that feelings are taking over, that I'm not, I'm no longer writing my story, my, my emotions are writing this, I'm no longer controlling the words that are coming out of my mouth, my emotions are, I'm no longer in control of whether I'm on the horn or off the horn, my emotions are, we have to recognize it and then learn how to respond to it. And I love David's response. We see it in Psalm 56 verse three. He says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put myself, my, I put my trust in you. And I love this, that, that David recognizes he's going to feel negative emotions and he's already planned how he's going to respond to it. David doesn't say, if I'm afraid, or maybe if I'm afraid, or if potentially I was to be afraid. He just recognizes, hey, I'm going to feel afraid, but when I do, it's going to trigger my faith. I'm going to trust you. My fear is going to be a trigger to faith. When I feel that feeling, I have already predetermined my response to my feelings. My fear is a trigger to my faith. Feelings will come and go, but no matter how I feel, I can make a good decision. So the question becomes, what are you going to do when you don't feel right? Have you thought through how you're going to respond? I think it's so key to just think through, to pre-plan how I'm going to respond when these things happen. I remember, uh, and it's so important to recognize that you actually have the choice to choose how you respond. I remember when we had uh, River, and I've told this story before, but uh, our daughter, we were over in Taiwan and it was this you know, crazy experience of having a baby in a, cult, like in a you know, non-English speaking kind of environment. And we're like, man, what's going on? We didn't know most of the time. And we, we did like three days in the hospital and they usually stay for a month. So they're like, why are you going home? And we're like, it's been three days. Like, uh, and they're like, no, stay for a month. And we're like, no, nah, it's cool. We want to like get home with our baby. And uh, we went home and they said she had like a, this thing called jaundice where it was kind of like a, a thing that goes on with babies. And they said, oh, it's not real serious. Just bring her back for a checkup tomorrow. And we had her at home for like a couple of days. We go back in to get this checkup and they ended up rushing her to the hospital, um, to another hospital, which we'd never been to. And I remember it just being like the, the scariest 
experience as we're, we're driving to this hospital and we didn't know where it was. We didn't know what to do. We're like parents for four days, right? Like, we're like, we, we didn't read about this in the parenting books. And I remember the, 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 the toughest part was when we realized that we weren't able to take her home with us and that we weren't able to stay. So we had to leave her at the hospital with people we didn't know, people we didn't really speak the same language as. And, and I remember it just being just, just this terrifying experience. And we got home and Talitha and I were kind of like, man, what do we do? And, and talk about negative emotions trying to take over. But in that moment, we had a decision. We had a decision. How are we going to respond to this? Are we going to let our fear write the narrative or are we going to choose faith and decide to believe and to trust God that this is going to be okay? And we made that choice. We're like, we're just going to, all we can do now, because it's out of our control, is trust God. And I remember we took communion together and we just were like, Jesus, we believe you're going to heal her. We believe it's going to be okay. And we had communion with apple juice and some stale bread we found in the freezer because it's all we had. Um, and I remember it was just like everything changed. As soon as we decided that we're going to choose faith, as soon as we decided we're going to trust God, it was like we just knew it was going to be okay. And actually, it was pretty amazing. They said she was going to have to be in there for a week or two weeks. And three days later, she was back at home with us. All good. Like kind of healed overnight kind of thing. The doctors were a bit like, we're not sure how this has happened, but she's good. And she can go home. Um, praise God for that. Uh, praise God for a God who heals us. Hey, praise God for a God who's actually, he doesn't just take the doctor's word. He can go beyond those things. Um, but y- y- we have to choose to respond. We have to choose how to respond despite the way that we feel. David had predetermined his course of action. So I would encourage us, let's predetermine our course of action when negative feelings come. I know that disappointment will come. And when it comes, I'm going to put my hope in God. I know that offense is going to come. And when it comes, I'm going to choose to forgive. I know that temptation will come. But when it comes, I'm going to choose to fight it with the Word of God. I'm going to choose to talk to somebody about it. I'm going to choose to run and not to fall into that trap again. When I'm feeling down, I'm going to choose to respond with gratitude. It's so important. I think it's so freeing to just recognize we're going to feel these things, okay? If anyone has told you, just believe in Jesus and you'll never feel negative feelings. It's like, they lied. I'm sorry. It's not how it works. But the difference is I I now no longer have to be a victim to my feelings. I can choose how I'm going to respond to those things. So let's predetermine how we are going to respond. So the question is, what triggers you and how are you going to respond? What triggers you? Let's think through these things. Think through the things that trigger us. Maybe it's when you're in another meeting that should have been an email and you're sitting there going, this should have been an email. This shouldn't have been a meeting. We didn't need to get everyone together for this. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's when, you know, married people, maybe it's when your husband says something dumb because he will, because he's a man. And we do these things. And we don't mean to, but we do them. How are you going to respond to that? Maybe when it's crunch time at uni, maybe it's when you're feeling down, How are you going to respond when that comes along? And I want to encourage you. Let's predetermine. I'm not going to be controlled by my emotions. I'm going to respond with faith. I'm going to respond with love. I'm going to respond with hope. I'm going to respond by trusting God. Can you imagine the kind of life where we're triggered to faith by our feelings rather than letting our feelings take us on a journey where we don't want to go? 
final thought, just so I wrap up, is I think it's really important that we remember it's not just about my strength. Because I think as we talk about this tonight, and maybe you're even thinking this as you're, as you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, you know what? I've tried this and it's really hard. I've tried to have a good response to my feelings, but it's really difficult. And we'd all know that. And sometimes you hear these kind of messages and, and it's like you go home and you feel like, I've just got to try harder. I've just got to be more spiritual. I've just got to, yeah, I've got to respond well to my emotions. But actually, we've got to remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The strength to do this has got to come from Jesus. This isn't about me just pushing harder and working harder and trying harder. It's about me surrendering and saying, Jesus, I want to rely on your strength. It's about saying, Jesus, would you help me to overcome my negative feelings? Jesus, would you help me to respond well the next time that I'm challenged? And the good news is, friend, is that Jesus is so interested in your life. He cares so much about you. He actually cares about the way that you feel. And He wants to help you to deal with those things well. He wants to help you deal with them and process them well. It's not about trying harder. It's just about saying, Jesus, give me the strength to choose joy. When you're disappointed, it's saying, Jesus, help me to choose hope. When when you're feeling down, when you're feeling helpless, Jesus, remind me that you're with me. When you're feeling alone, Jesus, remind me that I'm not alone. And the good thing is that God is so good. Again, the only qualification for God doing something in your life is that you want it. And sometimes that's what our response is gonna be. When my emotions are taking over, it's coming to Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, just just a reminder, I want you to be involved in my life. I don't wanna go on this journey where these emotions go. Run to Jesus when your emotions are boiling up. Get some time with God. Say a quick prayer. Get into the bathroom, get your head on straight. God wants to help you. He's there for you. He actually wants to help you to deal with this. And I had a good friend in, um, in Japan and he was, uh, I guess he was probably quite new to faith at the time and been coming along to a church for a little while and had like, just went through the most horrific experience. He kind of found out one day he's at work, got a phone call from um, some, some relatives and, and got told that his mum and his dad had both taken their life on the same day, same time. Just phone call out of the blue, your parents are both gone. And that's gotta be up there with one of the most horrific things you could ever experience. But what shocked me, I guess, about this story, he said the first thing he did was he ran to the bathroom, locked himself in a cubicle, opened his Bible on his phone and said, God, would you speak to me? In this moment, God, would give me the strength I don't know what to do. Would you speak to me? I can't do this without a word from you. God, would you speak to me? I can't. These feelings are too much for me to bear alone. God, would you strengthen me? And he said, you know, five, ten minutes later, he walked out. Nothing had changed. But he's like, I knew that I was going to be able to make it through. I knew it was going to be okay. I knew that God was with me. I knew that I wasn't facing it alone. I knew that this wasn't just gonna, obviously it was gonna change my world, but I knew that it was gonna be okay because God was with me. Come on, friend, it's not about your strength. It's not about pushing through. It's just about receiving. Saying, hang on, God, I recognize that you're with me in this challenge. God, I recognize that you wanna speak to me. God, I recognize that I'm not alone. I think that's such a beautiful example of having a trigger that leads to faith. And when something goes wrong, I'm going to come to you, Jesus. I'm going to look to you for strength. 
I'm going to look to you for guidance because I know that I can't do this alone. Jesus wants to help you. And with Him, you're going to make it through. So come on. I hope that we're encouraged tonight to set some triggers in our life, triggers to faith. And I think it's so important to realise that we don't have to be a victim to our feelings. We're not bad for having negative feelings. It's so normal, but we can respond in a way that actually leads to life. I've got a couple of questions as we finish up. Before you take that, thanks, bro. I appreciate that. I could read them off the screen, but it's probably easy to read them off here. A couple of questions. How are you at recognising when your feelings are taking over? Are you able to recognise when your feelings are starting to take over? Or do you constantly find yourself dealing with the repercussions of letting your feelings take control? How are you at recognising when your feelings are taking over? Second question, do you have a predetermined course of action when you realise that your feelings are taking over? Especially if there's something that you're constantly dealing with, have you got a predetermined, hey, when that thought comes up, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm responding. Have you got that? If not, I urge you, come on, consider putting in some life-giving habits around that. Final thought, where do you run when you feel out of depth with your emotions? Where do you run? What do you turn to? I think there's so many things that we can turn to, right? Things that help us feel like we're escaping from reality. You know, some people, video games or movies or whatever it is, something just to help us switch off. But I think when we're feeling overwhelmed, it's, it's really important that we run to Jesus because He cares so greatly about you and, and He wants to help you to make it through. He wants to help you to come through stronger than what you went in. Run to Jesus. Hey, I hope you're encouraged tonight. It's been quieter, but I guess we're talking about a little bit of a, a heavy topic. Hey, I think the important thing to remember, if you take away anything from this evening, is that God is interested in you and He cares about the way that you feel. He doesn't want you to ignore your feelings, but He wants to help, he wants to help you to process them well and to come through in a life-giving way. Hey, would we stand? I'd love to pray for us just as we finish. Jesus, we just thank You. We thank You that You care about us, everything about us. You care about the way we think and You even care about the way that we feel. And right now, we're just choosing to invite You into that space. We know we don't have to be controlled by our feelings. We don't have to be controlled by our emotions. Jesus, we pray that You would help us to process them in a healthy and life-giving way. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey, and good news for anyone here this evening. Maybe you've never made a decision of going on a journey with Jesus. He's so interested with you. He wants to help you to deal with these things. He's, he wants to be there for you. And like I said, it's as easy as opening your heart and saying, Jesus, would you come and be involved in my life? 